you already have opened in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, continuing this study. I'm so blessed in this time of worship this morning. The Lord really softened our hearts, uh, at least for me. The Lord really softened my heart uh, and, and prepared the way, I believe, for the scripture. And, and uh, I'm thankful to the worship team for leading us that way and being faithful in that way. And, and it's such a blessing, guys, that that's what happens, right? The, the, the worship prepares us and prepares our hearts to dig into the scripture. And here today, I'll be honest with you guys, this is a little bit of a hard message. This one digs deep a little bit, and even as we read it, you're thinking, whoa, all right. So we have this sweet, you know, intimate time of worship, and then it's time to dig deep. It's time to challenge ourselves uh, in the scriptures. It's time to dig deep in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And, And there are things in scriptures that will call out sin. And that's what we get to look at today. Today, we, you know, as we continue our study here, last week we began to talk about walking in love. Now we continue in that same mindset here, chapter 5, right? We walk in love as dear children. We want to be imitators of God as dear children. And we walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And so we, we got into this whole walking in love and how our lives are to just be all in and giving of ourselves unto the Lord out of the motive of a love relationship with Jesus Christ and not out of of a motive of what's in it for me. And now Paul goes from there directly into addressing what's in it for us. You see, because we're so selfish as people, and we want and we have various lusts of the world that we desire, we, we grab after, whether it's power, whether it's money, whether it's sex, all these things are addressed in the Bible, and specifically here, we get into it today. Paul turns us right into it, says, hey, you want to walk in love? Here's what it looks like. Rid yourself of the things that are not fitting for the church. And that's where he's, we're going to start today. So he, he starts with saying, but fornicators and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. We'll start with that. Let it not even be named among you. It is not fitting for the saints. Now, these things should have no place in the midst of a living relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the reality. And there's some simple uh, truths that we could just kind of brush over this passage and be like, hey, abstain from sexual immorality. Now have a nice day, right? And sometimes we like to just hear that little word, but we're going to dig deep. Because this is an issue in the world today, but more importantly, this is a major issue in the church. These things should have no place in the midst of a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Further, the way Paul, the terminology he uses here is to say these things are unthinkable behaviors for a believer in Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about these behaviors Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. The short version is all these things are connected to sexual immorality. And it is essential for the believer to abstain from sexual immorality. Paul is saying, look, nothing to do with sexual immorality is fitting for the saints. 
saints, believers in Jesus Christ. The word Christian means little Christ's. So you tell me if sexual immorality is fitting for little Christ. I don't think so. Now, that's the short version. The long version, let's start with fornication, comes from a Greek word, actually, uh, pornea, where we get the word pornography from. As I said, this is a little hard for a Sunday morning, but here it is in the scripture calling out all of those in the body who are engaged in that sort of sexual immorality. This is something that is destroying lives. It's destroying the church. And it's not fitting. And to say it's not fitting further is the idea here that it doesn't look good on you. You go into a fitting room, You got the full-length mirror. You put on the clothes. Sometimes you're like, that works. Sometimes you're like, "Mm mm-mm, nope. And that's the reality of when when we engage in ourselves, when we, we follow the way of the world and there's engaging in sexual immorality, we should look in the mirror and say, uh uh, that doesn't look good. Further, this gives us a picture of the idea of sex outside of marriage. That is fornication. Maybe some of you, boyfriend, girlfriend, engaged couples. Maybe some of you living together with somebody who's not your spouse. This is sexual immorality. And I've heard it before. Oh, we're, we're living together, but we're not sleeping together. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Further, he talks about uncleanness. Dirty, moral behavior in regard to sexuality. Paul addresses this very specifically in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 to 32. Paul uses this same word. If you'd like, you could turn there as we're going to be reading these eight verses. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Paul says this, Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. There's that word. And this uncleanness, in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason, now this, guys, listen, this is because of uncleanness. God gave them up to uncleanness and for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. This is the uncleanness. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God and their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. There it is again, 
not fitting. Paul using the same terminology. These things don't fit. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them these are some harsh words i didn't make it up don't get mad at me it's in the bible the word of god romans chapter one paul wrote it under the influence of the holy spirit the holy spirit is grieved by such sexual immorality paul uses the same words here of uncleanness And that they were given over in their immorality, they were given over to uncleanness. He says it is not fitting, using the same word again. It doesn't look good on human beings. Further here in Ephesians, he's saying it doesn't look good, especially on the saints, on the church, on the body of Christ. Paul uses this same word of uncleanness to introduce this horrible culture of sexual immorality that had been accepted in his day so much like today. I don't know about you guys, but when I read Romans chapter 1, verse 24 to 32, I see the United States of America in the year 2022. And the uncleanness that is going on because of sexual immorality. Our society may tolerate these things, Like homosexuality. Let's be clear. That's what Romans 1 is talking about. We address heterosexuality. We address sex outside of marriage. Now we address homosexuality. Running rampant in the world around us today. More and more tolerated. More and more accepted. And the church, we the church are told that we are bigots and we're full of hate when we call it out. The Bible calls it out. And in fact, what Paul says in Ephesians chapter five is that this is walking in love. He says walk in love and then he calls out sexual immorality of all sorts. So you tell me what's loving. Calling people to repentance or just being tolerant and acceptant. Of, of the wickedness that's going on in the world. Guys, it will destroy lives. That's what Paul says in Romans 1. It destroys people. And out of that, God gives them over to debased minds. And in debased minds, all sorts of destruction takes place. There's a long list there in Romans chapter 1. You know, the government may pass laws accepting and approving of these things. But the Holy Spirit doesn't. The Holy Spirit is grieved by such behavior and does not tolerate. We are to walk in love to identify the sin and turn from it. Or to walk in love in calling one another to repentance when we see sin of sexual immorality.
we should not be controlled by society and what the society is calling loving. It's not acceptable in the church. It doesn't fit. It has no place. Paul's saying here that sexual immorality of all sorts is the antithesis of genuine Christianity. We must be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to make way for such things, such behaviors. Further, Paul talks about covetousness. And the word and the indication here is that he's giving that is, is that there's a desire for immoral satisfaction. Covetousness. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. A longing to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let it not be so among the church. It doesn't fit. It doesn't look good. It doesn't work. And we talked about this in chapter four even, about putting off the old man and putting on the new. Or as Paul further says in Romans, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Let it not be so that we engage in such behaviors in the body of Christ. Verse four, we continue Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. Now, he gets into our speech. Filthiness, neither filthiness, nor, nor foolish talking, or coarse jesting. These things are not fitting, and these things, too, are directed at sexual immorality and the talk of sexual immorality, Paul doesn't just like randomly in the middle of a sentence here change gears and like, no, no, don't say mean things. We talked about that in chapter four, right? We talked about profanity in chapter four, right? Those are not fitting for the church either. Those things grieve the church as well, or grieve the Holy Spirit as well. But this here, Paul is still talking about sexual immorality, and now he's talking about the, the conversation of sexual immorality and the gloating that people engage in in their sexual immorality, this is the way of the world, and this is not fitting for the saints, not fitting for the church. Filthiness is, is really a, a speaking of obscene things or shameful things. Paul is saying, don't allow filthy talk to come out. Don't allow these, this filthy talk that is glorifying sexual immorality to come out of your mouths. But yet, look around us in the world and the things that are glorified and the words that come out of people's mouths. It is disgusting, is what Paul is challenging the church on. He's challenging the church, which means there's a problem in the church that we are looking too much like the world. Don't allow filthy talk to come out, such as, Dirty jokes. Coarse jesting might reference that as well. Or even just talk of immorality, talk of immoral things. In our culture, open talk about impurity and immorality is plastered everywhere. There's podcasts, right? Maybe you listen to some of them. There's books, 
There's movies, YouTube videos, YouTube reels, TikTok, right? I don't even, I don't know what it is. I, I don't, it doesn't, I don't want anything to do with it. But this is the stuff that it's all out there and it's glorifying sexual immorality and objectifying the human body in various different ways. Snapchat, this is a challenge for each of us as individuals of what we allow in, right? But listen, parents, can I just side note here? Pay attention. Parents, I was talking to a a school administrator the other day, and we were talking about the fact that the world is tipping their hand. They're laying the cards on the table, and they're straight up telling us, we're after your kids. We're coming for them. And you know what it's all coming back to? It's all connected to sexual immorality because it destroys the church. Parents, listen. They're coming for our kids. That should break our hearts. And that should put us into battle mode. Okay? Get ready. Put on the armor and put the armor on your kids. That's what Paul's going to get into in the next chapter. Right? Chapter 6. Put on the armor because they're coming for our kids. That makes me angry. It breaks my heart. But sadly, parents, there's too many that we sit back and we watch. And we maybe hand our kids a phone and say, do what you want. Guys, it's like handing them a loaded gun without caution, without instruction in righteousness. Check in on what your kids are downloading. Grab their phone. Do everything that you need to to have the safeguards. Do you guys know that Snapchat is designed to keep things from other people, right? To have just your own little private world. Once you read a message or see a video, read, see, listen, whatever the things are that are going out there, once you see it, it disappears. So if your kids have Snapchat, you have no idea the things that they're seeing. Now look, I'm not gonna go any further with this, right? Snapchat, delete it from your kids' phones. Listen, it's between you and Jesus, but I am warning you, there's a lot more than just Snapchat out there. There's a lot of things out there that are coming for our kids and it all ties back to sexual immorality. The movies that we watch, the movies we allow our kids to watch, the podcasts that we allow them to listen to, the podcasts that we allow ourselves to listen to, need to be cautious. Paul says it doesn't fit. We need to pay attention to these things for our kids, but also for ourselves, because these things creep in. There's a quote by John Phillips, says, vulgar talk that would have been considered pornography a generation ago is now more and more acceptable 
because it's so hard to avoid. And that's what we do. We make allowances because we're like, well, there's nothing else. There's no good movies, but we want to watch movies. There's no good books, but we want to read books. There's no good apps, but we want to be part of the world. We're in the world, not of the world, right? But this is what's going on. Desensitizing and lowering the moral standard of the church. Paul says it doesn't fit. And the tendency for us as Christians is to keep lowering the standard. The world is trying to get us to fit their mold. The world is trying to get us, the church, to fall in line. But yet we're supposed to pave the way. The Holy Spirit, though, guys, the Holy Spirit brings us back to the gold standard, which is Jesus Christ. Christ-like behavior. Further, Paul addresses foolish talking. The word in the Greek translates to buffoonery. I love that word. Like, just, and we'll, we'll, we'll lighten things up for a moment here, okay? <laughs> Buffoonery just sounds like, wow, that is just dumb. But that's what Paul is like, hey, stop sounding dumb. And when you speak of such immoral things, you sound really, really dumb, like a buffoon. Speaking total nonsense and making light of immoral things. We shouldn't make light of immoral things. We should look at them as disgusting because that's how God sees them. We're to use our words wisely, cautiously, further coarse jesting. Coarse jesting is the idea of tearing others down to build yourself up. This is contrary to the purpose of the church. This is contrary to everything we've been studying through Ephesians. That the purpose of the church is to glorify God and to build one another up. Of course, jesting is completely contrary to that. It's tearing down people through immoral conversation. And again, Paul says, which are not fitting. So we have the same thing again. He repeats himself. These things are not fitting for the church. The behaviors are not fitting for the church, and the conversation of it is not fitting for the church. Engaging in foolish speech, it's not fitting. The moral appeal here is not to avoid these things to achieve sainthood. As Paul says, it's not fitting for a saint. And if you want to be a saint, then you have to stay away from these things. No. In fact, what Paul is saying is, through relationship with Jesus Christ, you're a saint. Through relationship with Jesus Christ, you're part of the body of Christ. And that doesn't fit. Because you are a saint, rather, because you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then live like one. Because you are a Christian, little Christs, 
then look like Jesus, act like Jesus, talk like Jesus. Be like Christ. That we would be identified, our identity would be found as a follower of Christ under the blood of Christ. Therefore, these immoral behaviors should have no place in our lives. Paul also gives the antidote. He says, but rather give thanks. Because God created the world to go around the proper way. So give thanks. Give glory to God. Thanks is the antidote for lust. You're struggling. You have issues in your life. You're struggling with lust all sorts of lust and your covetousness and, and you just want to fulfill your, the desires of your flesh, start giving thanks. Start giving thanks for who God is, for what he does, and that he created man and woman and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. This was God's purpose from the beginning. All this talk of sexual immorality and lust. So what is the answer? To separate ourselves from the world is a proper view of God's gift of marriage. And Paul is going to outline that for us at the end of this chapter, in the last many verses, uh, verse 22 to 33, Paul gives us a beautiful sermon on marriage. But that's what it is to give thanks. In this area is to have a proper view of God's gift of marriage. Thanks be to God for the glorious bond of sexual intimacy between husband and and wife, and only between husband and wife. Not boyfriend and girlfriend or fiance. Not husband and husband or wife and wife. These terms do not exist in the Bible. But thanks be to God for this bond of husband and wife within the confines of biblical marriage. It is glorious. And you know what? Honestly, sometimes the church, they just frown upon any conversation of sex, period. They just run and hide. Whoa, we're not going there. We're not talking about it. And you might think, I did not expect to come to church today and have a message about sex. It's not about sex. It's about our heart being right before the Lord and honoring God and seeing God's beautiful, glorious purpose for marriage. And God says his purpose for marriage is to produce godly offspring. So thanks be to God for this bond between husband and wife that fulfills his glorious purpose. Further, verse 5, we continue. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. No inheritance in the kingdom. 
If these are your normal practices, is the kingdom in you? Is the kingdom of God influencing those decisions? Paul is challenging the Christian on non-Christian practices. And what he's saying is that if these are the practices of your life, if you are caught up in this habitual sin and these are the practices of your life and you are glorifying it and you lack conviction, then are you really a Christian? If you don't have conviction about these things, Paul is challenging the Christian on non-Christian behaviors. That's a non-Christian. This is a Christian. If God's kingdom is alive in you, then transformation occurs so that you cannot rest in such habitual sin. If you're given over to such habitual sin with no conviction, then give your life to Jesus and allow him to transform your heart. But if the Holy Spirit brings conviction and maybe you've struggled in these areas or you are currently struggling in these areas, get right with Jesus. You don't have to throw up your hands and be like, that's it, I lost my salvation. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the, the, the church and what the church is supposed to look like as we walk in love. And as we walk in love, we should be under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we're going to confess these things before the Lord. We are going to be honest with Jesus and confess and get right. Surrender. Verse 6, then we continue. He says, let no one deceive you. There's a great deception in the world that these things are okay. And it goes back all the way to Genesis chapter 3. We just finished the study in Genesis this Wednesday night, chapter 50, and, and I referenced this, but in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. That was a lie. God said, don't eat the fruit. God said, don't even touch the fruit. Don't have anything to do with the fruit, for you will surely die. That's what God said. The devil says, you will not surely die. This is the great deception in Genesis chapter 3. It brings forth sin, which then brings forth the wrath of God. Right? As, as Paul says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. God warned Adam and Eve. He told them, you will surely die. The devil said, you will not surely die. This is a great deception. It brings us to this picture of willful disobedience, falling in line with the world, falling in line with the enemy, falling in line with the ways of the world, 
and continuing to lower our standards. That behavior aligns us with the sons of disobedience. And on the sons of disobedience, the wrath of God is poured out. So I don't know about you guys, but we need to make sure we get right with Jesus and flee like Joseph. Flee from the sexual immorality. Flee from the, the things that we might allow in that would trigger our, our hearts or minds towards sexual immorality. Protecting ourselves and protecting our children. The ways of the world are full of immorality. And we should not participate, nor should we associate with such things. As Paul says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is Christ in you? If Christ is in you, then you should have a deliberate break from your past and a separation from willful disobedience. I'm not saying here, if you slip up, then there's no place for you in the kingdom of God. But I'm saying, be under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Remain under the influence of the Holy Spirit so that that conviction would lead you to your knees in repentance and get right with Jesus. Through relationship with Jesus, we are children of God. That's how this passage starts. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Through relationship with Jesus, we are children of God, not children of disobedience. And children of God should look like their father, not like the world. Paul has this great warning, great challenge for the church today. Get right with Jesus. If you're convicted by this message, good. You're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If you're not, and you're hard-hearted, and you're not convicted of immorality in your life, then give your life to Jesus. Surrender to him today. Let's pray. Jesus, we give you our hearts. We look to you, God. We need you, God. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would make no provision for the flesh. Lord, we pray. We pray for protection over our kids, over this next generation. Lord, I pray for any here today who need to get right with you. Lord, would you move in hearts and minds?
bring this conviction about God. 